The Next Level Life podcast is all about mindfulness, mindset, motivation, and conscious entrepreneurship. My name is Christine Corcoran, founder of Periscope Coaching, business and life strategy coach. Each week, I will bring you a new episode with a thought, insight, or interview with an inspiring thought leader or successful business owner to help you push past your fears, tap into your purpose, and inspire your soul. Ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Love What You Do Collective two-day business mastermind happening on February 16 and 17 in Kingscliff. It is two full jam-packed days of business workshops, inspiration, collaborations, connections, and beautiful experiences to uplevel your mindset, motivation, and your business for 2019. I've got four beautiful, incredible women coming along to share their expertise and their experience to be able to uplevel your business this year. So it is almost, almost sold out, and I'm so freaking excited, and I cannot wait to get there. It is literally, I only have two spots left. So if you are uh, open to being a part of this incredible weekend, then please feel free to jump across and find out all the details at periscopecoaching.com.au slash mastermind. Okay, so let's jump into the episode. Today's episode is all about drama. It is one of those interesting conversations and realizations and awareness that happens when you start to recognize certain behaviors that aren't serving you anymore. And so I wanted to jump in to talk a little bit about the drama cycle, but also how you know when you're living in drama and how to change these patterns and behaviors so then you can create a different experience. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about two different things. So one, drama and how that plays out for us individually in our lives. And two, the drama triangle. And so if you are listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't really delve into much drama in my life, I want you to keep listening because the drama triangle has a really unique way of showing up in our lives and we don't even realize that we're being a part of it or we're playing a role in it. And it's really fascinating to be able to shift and change those patterns. So let's dive in. So how do you know if you're living in drama? Drama can play up in a lots of different ways. It can play up in toxic relationships. It can play up in the way that we're playing the victim and blaming the world for our problems. It can come in a way that it's actually inventing drama where there is necessarily not any drama and it is actually filling a need, a need that we have a core, core need. And so it can be playing out in ways like living in a codependent relationship. It could be simply as like not paying your bills on, on time to see what might happen. It could be telling someone a story just to get attention. It could be recycling gossip as interesting news and dramatizing it and making the, blowing the story out of proportion and making it seem more interesting than, than not. And this is something that we get taught, right? It's not something that necessarily um, we realize we do, but we, we play it out and then we get a experience that may fill a need. And then we start to see that as something where we can actually achieve that or fulfill that need. So we do it more regularly to get that need fulfilled. And I think too, like, Society has a, a way of playing into this too, right? Like when you watch the news, it's so dramatized. Like I literally reached out to a friend this week because um, on the news, they were talking about all these major floods that were happening where she lives. And I was like, oh God, I hope she's okay. And I messaged her and she was like, it's fine. Like it's just a bit of rain. It's the wet season. This is normal for us. And it was interesting because I was like, you know, I said to her, you know, I just don't know what to believe because it's so dramatic on the news. 
And so we are taught this, right? It's how we get attention. And we see people also do it to get attention. But it's interesting when you actually tap into what need is actually fulfilling. And there are ways that we can resourcefully fulfill those needs without it not serving us. Okay, so I'm going to dive into ways that we can do that. So are you playing out drama in your life? Are you maybe dramatizing stories that maybe are not exactly dramatic? And look, we're all we're not immune to this at all. And I'm not immune to it either. There were times in my life where, and I still find myself do it every now and then. And I'm like, come on, what are you doing? And I kind of pull myself up on it. And I remember my work colleagues, we used to, in an old job, we used to thrive on the drama. Like we would literally call each other up and bitch and moan and complain. And that was drama, right? So when complaining is coming into play in your everyday language, it might be worthwhile just recognizing, okay, what's the purpose of me complaining? Am I actually playing the victim? Or is this an actual need, trying to fulfill a certain need? And so, and it can happen in lots of different relationships, right? So you can actually have it happen in every relationship from family to friends to work colleagues, like every aspect. So I want you just to start thinking about, is there areas of your life where there possibly is a little bit more drama than need be? And I want you just to dive into and to start thinking about what need is it actually trying to fulfill? So what do I mean by core need? Our core needs or our key drivers are fundamental needs that everyone has in common. And all behavior is simply an attempt to meet those needs. And this is where I just love diving into the core needs because it helps us have compassion and awareness around somebody else's behavior as well as our own. It's interesting because it's like if you take a step back and go, okay, so what's this behavior and what are they trying to achieve by having this behavior? And it helps us think about how we can fulfill that need for them or ourselves without all the drama. So the force of life is the drive for fulfillment. And we all have a need to experience a life of meaning. And these core needs are something that is so, so important to our evolution that we are constantly trying to fulfill these needs. So the top four needs of the ego are certainty, uncertainty, significance, and connection and love. The last two, which are actually more of the spirit or the soul, the needs are contribution and growth. I'm not really going to go into contribution and growth today because they're not as such specific needs in regards to what I'm trying to articulate here, because they're more likely to be driven once those other four are needed. And they're not actually there. They don't necessarily drive as much of unresourceful behavior like drama. Uh, So I'm really not going to dive into contribution and growth, but I'm going to dive into the other four. So a lot of the time our drama can be or certain behaviors that are unresourceful are designed to fulfill one of these four needs. So we've got certainty and uncertainty. So certainty is, is desire for safety and comfort and an assurance that you can avoid pain and gain pleasure. So for instance, if someone was trying to unresourcefully meet, meet the need for certainty, it might be where they become a little bit of a control freak. It might be where they get so stuck in specifically having to have things play out the way they wanted them to play out that they cause a lot of drama around it. So they might throw tantrums. They might um, get upset when things when plans change and like all of those sorts of things because they're trying to meet that need for certainty. They need to know exactly what's going on. Then we have the flip side, which is uncertainty. So uncertainty is a need for variety and adventure. 
and the need for the unknown change in new stimuli to keep things interesting, right? So if someone has a really, really strong core need for uncertainty, drama for them might look like not paying bills on time, or it might be creating, um, you know, getting to the point where you dramatize things so much at work that you get fired and it's not something that you consciously think about doing right it's not like you go look I'm gonna to go to work today and cause so much drama I'm gonna get fired like that's not a thought you necessarily have but it builds up and it's a subconscious need to fulfill this right it's actually not something that we're consistently sitting here thinking about but subconsciously it's like they're trying to create an experience where we can feel that variety and get that adventure so it might be that you quit your job and run off and, and, and go traveling. Or it could be a certain, like literally just basic, like not paying your bills on time, um, showing up late. Like all these types of little behaviors that cause a little bit more drama in our lives. But it's actually fulfilling that need for variety and adventure. It's really interesting, hey? And then we have significance. So significance is a really interesting one because it's like this feeling of need of importance, right? It's having that external validation and feeling unique, important, or special, right? So you can imagine the drama that that can create. So if someone's trying to unresourcefully meet the need for significance, again, being a control freak might come into play, or it could be demanding certain attention, or it could be doing things out of the ordinary to make it seem like you are important, right? It's demanding that attention. And it's almost playing the victim as well, right? Because it's like, I want to feel unique and special. So if I play the victim, then maybe I will get the attention that I need. And again, I'm not saying this is something that you consciously think when you go out in your life, but sometimes it's interesting to so to think about and sit back and go, okay, so where am I creating this need for a significance in my life? If it's something that's important to me, how am I doing it resourcefully? And how is it playing out for me unresourcefully? So it could be, you know, a lot of the time it could be putting other people down to make yourself feel superior or having that drama and complaining and um, bitching and moaning and complaining about somebody else because it makes you feel good. And it's not something that you sit there and go, oh, I'm going to bitch and moan and complain because it makes me feel good. But there's just something, there's this inner payoff that we get. It's really, really fascinating. It, you know, in the moment we get that instant gratification, that validation that, or it could be, you know, putting people down in the way that you have to be right all the time. You know, that's a, that's definitely a need, a um, dramatic way of trying to fulfill the need for significance. So it's really fascinating when you then uncover that core need underneath. And if there's a different way to fulfill that need then that is less dramatic and less unresourceful, then it's probably going to leave you with a more fulfilled life. The last one is connection and love. Now, this is really interesting because... Drama in this area can play out in lots of different ways. It's definitely where we can often play the victim. And it's where you might have a relationship play out where you have those friends that love to have a pity party with you. And that will, you know, kind of fulfill that need of, like, help you play it out. It's really interesting because I'm, I'm sure I can think back to totally, I can think back to relationships in my past where it's like, I would call them because I would know that they would have the pity party with me. They would get in that pit and they would literally help me make it even more dramatic. So it'd be like, I would call someone and be like, you won't believe what this person just said to me. I can't believe they treat me like this. I feel terrible. I can't believe that this is the way that they have to speak to me. Like they, and I would literally, and then the other person would be like, yeah, that's terrible. How dare they? That's just disgusting. How you, you can't, you can't let them treat you like that. And they would help you reply to a text message or they would help you 
think about how to make it worse. And it's not something that they really are desiring to do, but they think it's helping, right? It's, it's really interesting. So for connection and love, it's a strong feeling of closeness or union with someone or something. And drama in this area can also play out with, you know, sleeping with someone that you don't necessarily really want to sleep with, but it fulfills that need for connection. Or it could be recycling gossip and bitching about other people. And that's the way that you guys interact, right? So it might be, you know, if you've got those friends that you always party with, or you've got those friends that you always, you just go and you bitch and moan and complain with, and it's just what you guys do. That is actually fulfilling your need. Because if you showed up to that situation in a different way and that you didn't bitch and moan, then they, you may not feel like you belong, right? So that's that need to have connection. It's really interesting. And yet when we really uncover those unresourceful behaviors and decide to make a change, our whole world changes. And sometimes there's a little bit of pushback because people aren't normally used to you behaving that way and that it takes a little bit of adjustment. And so I'm going to dive into the ways that a drama triangle can play out because this is definitely important when it comes to relationships and you may not be realizing that you're diving into a certain role. But I want you to think about what certain core need your drama in your life is playing out to fulfill because when you're able to uncover that and you can think about different ways to, to fulfill that need resourcefully, it is a more, a beautiful experience of life because no matter who tells me that drama is good and it's exciting and all of that sort of crap, it's not like when you are playing out in dramatic ways and unresourceful ways, it's only good in the moment. It's long term. It doesn't make you feel good. So I really want you to think about different ways that you could fulfill that need for your core needs that is important to you. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about the drama triangle. Now, the drama triangle was developed by Stephen Cartman, MD, almost 40 years ago, and it's a model of social interaction and conflict. And it's diving into three different roles that we can often play. And it's this, and why it's called the triangle is because we can either move from the different roles within the triangle, or we can consistently play that role within the triangle. So the three roles are victim, perpetrator, and rescuer. So this is not actually circumstances, right? This is not necessarily like a criminal experience where there's been a victim, has been a perpetrator and a rescuer. That's not at all the case. This is actually more about social interaction and conflict and how these roles perpetuate each other, basically. So I'm going to dive into all three, but I want you to think about how these play out in different roles and different relationships in your life, because when you really start realizing what you're doing and how you're perpetuating certain behavior, you're actually creating the same experience every time you dive back into that relationship. And I'm not talking intimate relationship. I'm talking like family, friends, like partners, like everything, right? So we can often do this and you're not always playing a role. That's not the case. This is just sometimes an unresourceful way of meeting certain needs. But I really want you to think about if any of these roles sort of, resonate with you. And if this is something that has been a reoccurring pattern in certain relationships, then this, I'm going to give you some beautiful ways to start breaking the pattern, changing the behavior. So you can start behaving in a different way. That's going to still fulfill your needs, but be able to have a different experience because these, these three roles, they're really an unresourceful way of meeting the core needs of either connection and love significance certainty or uncertainty. Alrighty. So the first role playing the victim, this is really 
you know, often we can see this and that people are playing the victim. They're all about poor me. They're blaming everybody else but themselves. They come across as really super sensitive and get really defensive really easily. They deny any responsibility for their experiences and how things keep happening to them. They feel like they have no power over changing those circumstances. And this is what's really interesting. They constantly give their power away and they don't necessarily realize that they're doing it by not actually taking responsibility. They often look for a rescuer, someone to save them and pick up the pieces. So can you start to think about how there might be someone in your life that is playing the victim? I know I can. I, um, and it's interesting, right? Cause these can often play out as a toxic relationship. And I really want to just create this definition because a lot of people know this, see, see this playing out in lots of different realms because people often talk about toxic relationships and cutting people out of your life. I want you to start realizing that these people are in your life for a reason and it may not be a positive part of your life right now, but I guarantee you these people are your teachers. So please don't completely cut them out of your life and think that things are going to be amazing. You can't cut them out and just think, oh, well, that's gone now. It's not part of my life anymore. There is a beautiful way to deal with this and it's not going to be the easy way out for sure, but it is going to be the best teacher. And if you can overcome the challenging ways that this relationship plays out in your life, then you will become a better person and you will be able to deal with so much more. And I guarantee you it's definitely worthwhile uncovering these behaviors and changing them rather than just ignoring them. Because that's what that is. Cutting people out of your life is ignoring that they ever happened. And Yes, if they are causing a lot of drama in your life and they're not willing to change or create a different experience with you, then it's worthwhile reducing the amount of time that you spend with them. But there is other ways to interact and it's definitely working out on how you can utilize them to teach you something new and learn and practice new behaviors and know that nobody else can make you feel bad if you unless you let them. So... When you think about this, right, is there someone in your life that's playing the victim that is constantly blaming the world for their problems? Victims often have real difficulties with making decisions and they keep themselves stuck in their drama. They can't see the solutions in front of them. They often look for other people and they ask other people's opinion for solutions, but they don't necessarily take them on board. They because that's, do you understand how that's feeling that need for that drama? So when we talked about before about how people sit and moan and complain together, that's constantly feeding that need for connection. So if we sit there and this is the thing, right? Because this is where it's going to get interesting because a rescuer comes into play and tries to solve their problem. And then the victim doesn't necessarily take on the advice and doesn't change the problem but they constantly play back and forth with the rescue because the rescue is trying to help. The victim just wants to stay stuck. And the, <laughs> but the victim is getting the need for connection through the rescuer trying to help. Okay. So they, um, a victim will find so much pleasure in life or understanding their self-perpetuating behaviors, but they're not willing to actually look at their self-perpetuating behaviors. They look to others for validation and acceptance and can be, um, the need for drama is caused by the need for connection. And then we have the rescuer. So the rescuer is all about, let me help you. Rescuers work really hard to help and caretake 
other people and they often need to help other people and need to feel good about themselves. Often, when they do that though, they neglect their own needs and are not taking responsibility for meeting their own needs. So they can often feel underappreciated, they can become resentful because they're constantly helping other people and they're not having their own needs met but not actually asking to have their needs met. It's really interesting, right? Because it's not taking responsibility for their needs being met at all, but they're constantly giving so much of themselves. They can often be classically labeled as codependent or enablers. Um, They need victims to help. So they often search out and sometimes it's so unconscious like this for me, I've been a rescuer my whole life and it was really interesting because I remember seeing a clairvoyant. I went and saw um, to have a spiritual reading like years ago and she pointed it out to me and I was like, huh? And how (laughs) it was interesting because she was like, do you often, did you rescue animals when you were a child? And I was like, oh my God, I did. I had a pet magpie that I reared and then I had a pet possum that I reared and then like all these I lived in the country don't judge um and I was a I was consistently rescuing and supporting other people I had friends go through dramatic experiences in their child in their teenage years and I was always the friend to support them I was always the friend to go come and stay with me if you're running away from home like honestly I could think back to multiple friendships that that's how I was literally playing out the rescuer. So the flip side of this is that when you consistently play the rescuer, that you're not actually helping the victim because you're trying to fix the problem. And the victim needs to succeed by fixing their own problem. And to, for them to get better, they need to be able to want to make a change. And often rescuers will seek out people that are stuck in victim mode and aren't actually ready to make a change. And this can become a self-perpetuating behavior where they're consistently rescuing and getting that need met, but it's playing out in such an unresourceful way. They can often use guilt to keep the victims dependent and they can feel guilt in themselves if they are not rescuing somebody. Rescuers are frequently rushed and overworked and tired and caught in sort of a martyr style experience while resentment constantly festers underneath because they're not voicing their own concerns and needs to have them met. They struggle with creating boundaries and and often can hinder other people from building their own self-worth and self-belief. They don't do that deliberately at all, but because they're fixing the problem and not actually encouraging others to empower themselves, they are taking away that ability for them to build that self-belief. And this is really interesting for you to start to start recognizing these behaviors and how they're not serving you because often we don't realize we're just trying to help, right? Um, Okay, so the last one is the persecutor or perpetrator. Either way, it's the same kind of terminology. This is where their belief is it's all your fault. They'll blame everybody else but themselves. They often criticize. They often blame the victim. They can set really strict limits and can be controlling, rigid, authoritative, angry, and unpleasant. Not nice, hey, but I'm sure you can think of somebody in your life that keeps the victim feeling oppressed through threats and bullying. They can come across, and this is where they're trying to meet that need for significance, right? So they're controlling the situation and it might even be certainty because they're trying to, like they look at it like they're trying to help by being real and they're trying to help by telling you how it is and how you need to fix it. And they're literally like, this is all your fault, so you need to fix it. And they um, 
they really fear being the victim themselves. So they like to be the superior one. Um, persecutors, they're not really flexible at all. They hate being vulnerable. They don't really see being human as a, they see it as a, as a weakness. Um, they fear the risk of being the victim themselves, as I said, and so they can yell and criticize and they don't actually solve any problems or help anyone solve the problem. They just stand there, stand back and criticize. Really interesting. Hey, so I'm sure you could think about someone also in your life that does that and they don't see it as, as a problem. They just like, this is how I am. And this is, you know, you need to understand that this, this is what you're doing is wrong. It's got nothing to do with me. And so what happens, right, is people switch roles and cycle through all these three without getting out of the triangle. Victims will depend on a rescuer and depend on someone to save them. Rescuers yearn for a victim to help and support and persecutors need a scapegoat, right? So people are acting out these roles to meet personal, as I said, often unconscious needs rather than being able to see the picture as a whole and take responsibility for their part and they keep the triangle going because it's consistently meeting those needs but when it's you start to have that awareness of which role you're playing so if you could think about an unresourceful relationship or a toxic relationship that you're in right now and think about which role are you playing are you the rescuer you're trying to fix it trying to help are you the perpetrator where you're literally just telling them how it is and blaming and criticizing or are you the victim and you're really not taking responsibility for your part in it and you're constantly sitting sitting there thinking that you're, you know, poor you and it all keeps happening to you and there's nothing else you can do about it because this is just your circumstances and you have to live it, right? It's not a healthy place to be and there's different ways that you can have your needs met without being in this drama triangle. So how do we live a life without drama? First and foremost, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to create that awareness and go, okay, so where am I playing out this drama in my life? Where is it not serving me? And then ask yourself, how can I take responsibility for my part? Recognize how it makes you feel. Because sometimes we don't even realize that it's playing out in an unresourceful way. And the best way to, to know whether it's resourceful or unresourceful is to start going, well, Am I happy with the results that I'm getting from it? Most likely not. And two, how does it make you feel? And then I ask, what are you attempting to feel from this experience? So this is where it gives you the recognition of what core need am I trying to fulfill here? What am I wanting to feel? Am I wanting to feel significant? Am I wanting to feel important in this person's life? Am I wanting to just get connection and love? Am I wanting to create a bit of adventure and excitement in my life? Cause I'm freaking bored. Like what is it that I'm trying to get out of this experience? Okay. So once you understand what core need your behavior is trying to meet, it's worthwhile coming up with some ideas on how you can meet that need resourcefully. And so if it's something like connection and love, it's being able to have conversations with people with vulnerability and being able to have conversations with people that really meet that need of feeling connected and feeling like you belong. And this is the thing, right? We have to instigate this. We can't wait for other people to create this. We need to take responsibility for the fact that you need to fulfill your own need and how you can feel more connected. And sometimes it's actually a connection with yourself rather than other people. So is it that you're missing the connection with yourself and you need to spend some time working on what's important to you? What are your values? What do you want in life? And being able to feel connected to oneself. 
The next part is about managing your mind. So being able to remove the drama is being able to articulate things in a factual way that is removing the dramatic experience of it. So it's where you think about before you tell a story, before you relay gossip, before you someone asks you how something went and you're about to delve into this massive story about how amazing or how terrible it was, being able to take a step back and go, okay, am I choosing drama or am I choosing life? And so when we choose life, we're able to articulate things in a matter of fact way. We can say literally the facts of the situation or circumstance. We can take the emotion out of it and we can decide ahead of time whether it's accurate, it's real and it's positive. So when we're able to manage our mind to that, to that extent, we can start having real conversations and stop delving, in, delving into drama. We need to make sure that we stop, we stop ourselves from delving into and feeding other people's drama. This is a really key one because if your relationships are normally surrounded with drama and you're starting to realize that, oh, I've got a couple of friendship groups that that's all we do is we sit and we moan and complain and bitch and, and gossip, then it's about being able to know where you're feeding into that. And is there a way to reconsider those unhealthy relationships or shift and change them? So we start by being able to act different in those situations and fulfill those people's needs differently. So if you're starting to, if you can take a step back and go, okay, so what, what need is it they're trying to fulfill? And is there a way that I can help fulfill their need differently without delving into the drama? If not, it's about reducing the amount of time that you spend with those people and starting to shift and change those behaviors around those people so they can start to interact with you differently. Now this might create a little bit of pushback. This is where the growth and the work is because if people are so used to you being a certain way, when you start acting differently, they're going to be like, what's wrong with you? What's going on? Like what's happened? You're different, right? And that's going to feel not so great, but that's okay because while you're creating this change, you need to be the example because when you lead from example, other people will want to follow and be a part of it. So it's helping if it's actually making you feel better and you're becoming a you know, more resourceful person and you're really happy within yourself and you're treating yourself with respect and you're treating others with respect, people also want to be a part of that. So it doesn't mean you're going to lose all of your friends, but there's ways that you can help shift and change the behavior. So when you interact with them, they can also continue to follow down that path. And sometimes it's about setting boundaries. So I remember when I was part of, you know, my group of old work friends where we used to just bitch and moan and complain, it literally came to the point where it was like, hey, I'd get on the phone with someone and I literally would say, hey, if this is, you know, if you're here to bitch and moan and complain, I'm really not in the mood for it. I And say it in a nice way. Obviously, I'm, like, I'm really trying to stay positive. I've noticed that it's actually not making me feel good and it's really impacting my life and I really want to live positively. So if it's okay with you, I'm happy to have a chat with you and we can work out a solution to the problem, but I really don't want to just delve into negativity. And sometimes that was received with negativity <laughs> and other times that was received with, hey, yeah, I agree. I don't want to do that anyway either. So let's, let's do that. And it was really interesting because some people were really over it and I didn't realize that I was also the one feeding it. So they were kind of sick of me bitching and moaning and complaining. So being able to be the example and, and shift and change that behavior really helps build stronger relationships that are there around realness and around compassion and respect and 
actually, they're going to be more long-term relationships. I guarantee you. Whereas if those relationships are just based on drama and they're just literally cycling the drama, then they're not going to go very far. So be real, be clear, be factual and be positive and people will want to be around that. That's a whole lot of work in itself. Now I really want to dive into how to break the drama cycle in regards to relationships. So, so bear with me. So it's similar, right? So it's about being positive, being factual, being accurate when you describe certain things. And this is actually more about self because even though you're interacting with other people, it's about recognizing which role you're playing and how you can fulfill your own need within that role at the same time as stopping the perpetuating behavior. So firstly is taking responsibility for your part in that relationship. So are you the perpetuator, um, sorry, the (laughs) perpetrator, or are you the rescuer or are you the victim? So which one are you playing and how can you fulfill your need individually? And two, how can you stop the same behaviors from playing out? Firstly, we need to interrupt the pattern. So you need to do something differently. So if you're the victim, then you need to start taking self-responsibility, start looking at ways to solve the problems that you're experiencing and start looking at ways that you can articulate what is happening for you in a factual and accurate and real way that's not dramatizing any of it. Because it's when you delve into the all the emotions that go with it and you delve into all the drama and you blow things out of proportion, it's where it creates overwhelm, it's where it puts you even more into the victim mode and it's not serving you. It's really about creating solutions for yourself and having those self questions rather than looking for validation outside of yourself and finding ways to solve your problem internally and within your own realm rather than attracting other people into that cycle. Because even though you're searching for someone to rescue you, it's really not what you really need or want. And I know that's really hard to hear sometimes because if it's something that you've been doing all your life and you're just waiting for someone to come and save you every single time and it's, it's actually coming back to self and going, why would I need someone to save me? And it's where that comes back to the whole form of self-belief. I don't believe in myself. I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I can do it myself. I really don't have any belief in myself, like all of that. And that's hard to face sometimes. So it's easier just to get someone else to save you. But I guarantee you, if you start setting small achievable goals and start proving to yourself that you can do it and you start overcoming those challenges within your life, then you are less likely going to need someone to rescue you. So interrupt that pattern. And sometimes it's the language, right? Like I said, stop dramatizing things around it. Be accurate, be real, be factual. And sometimes even doing that, people can go, oh, okay, she knows what she's doing. Oh, I don't need to rescue her. And then it's about setting new boundaries. So it could be that you have a friend that you delve into pity parties with and being able to get on the phone and go, hey, I need a rant. I need to talk this out but I don't want you to help me fix it. I don't want you to give me a solution. I just want you to listen. And that's a really good way of dealing with a rescuer, but also dealing with a a prosecutor as well, because they're ready to blame and ready to um, criticize. So if you're able to get them in that frame of mind to go, I just need your compassion right now. And I just need you to listen. I don't need any form of solution here because I'm going to find those solutions myself. So that's helping to break the pattern. And then it's important that you stay the course 
this is where it's so, so important that, like I said before, you're going to get a little bit of pushback. It's not people aren't normally used to experiencing life with you like this and you're going to seem different, but that's okay. It won't take long. Believe me, when you set your boundaries and you're really clear on exactly what you want and you start focusing on what you need for yourself and you start building those relationships around real connection and support and you actually start building on your own self-belief and people will be less likely to need to save you, then it will actually help building stronger relationships that are going to be more long-term for you. What happens in a lot of people's lives if they're playing the victim is that they go from rescuer to rescuer to rescuer and they, if they don't get their needs met from one rescuer, they'll go to another rescuer. Do you know someone like that that might be like, well, I didn't get what I needed from that person. So then I ring the next person and I ring the next person until they get exactly what they need. And that need is that connection through the drama. So being able to recognize that that's not serving you in a way that it's not actually not building strong relationships. And that's why people, you know, exit your life for whatever reason. It's because they're sick of being in a, in a, around a, a person that doesn't want to solve their problem. They want to stay in their stuck place. They want to not move forward. They just want to stay in the playing the victim in the pit and being able to go, okay, so I don't want that anymore. So it's time to make some changes and make some different behavioral changes. Noticing that it's a really dysfunctional part of a relationship is playing the victim. So being able to recognize that and change it is, is the first step. So then you think about the, um, the rescuer. So say that you identify that one of these roles that you often play in relationships is rescuer. And I totally resonate with that. It's being able to go, okay, is it really supporting the other person long-term when I dive in and, and save them? Is it really helping? And when you really look into it, it's really not helping. So how can you help to empower and build their self-belief in their self-worth in the victim? rather than rescuing. So it's being able to take a step back and noticing that your solutions aren't helping because no one wants to be told what to do. And when someone comes up with their, the idea themselves or the solution themselves, they're more likely to want to actually pursue it. They're more likely to believe in it. And, you know, we talk about that a lot with teams, right? When the team comes up with a solution or an idea, they're more likely to drive it because they believe in it because they created it themselves. It's the same way when it comes to the rescue a victim situation. So if you're able to empower the victim to take action based on what they believe is going to work best for them and set them, set them up for success and empower them to take action, right? Because a lot of the time the victim is staying in stuck mode. They're not actually taking any action. So empowering them to take action and then allowing yourself to be disconnected from the outcome and noticing that you're trying to build your own needs and it's important now that you set boundaries and you start asking for what you need as well. So as a rescuer, we need to take a step back from rescuing, allow them to empower themselves and let them create their own results, but then start looking within as well. What is it that you need? What is it that you're missing? Is it the connection with self? Is it that you're trying to get your needs met, right? Because it feels good to help other people, which is great, but sometimes it's about learning to receive, asking for your own help. So where can you take a step back and go, I need to articulate my needs to someone. So say if it's a, a close relationship that you're experiencing this and you're playing the rescuer, how can you take a step back and ask for what you need and set those clear boundaries? Because obviously it's something that when we 
of constantly helping other people when we're neglecting ourselves. And so being able to take a step back and break that pattern by stopping the helping. And what I do, what I mean by that is ask great questions rather than give the solution, actually stop and take a, take a moment and go, and when the victim is complaining about something, you can say, okay, great. So what would you like it to be instead? Or you could ask them, what outcome would you like from this? What do you think the solution would be? If you can come up with 10 different options, if you could sit down and actually write down 10 different ways to deal with the situation, what would they be? And literally not give them the answers. That's where it's going to be the most challenging. And I totally get you're probably cringing right now and you're probably like, oh my God, that's so freaking hard. I get it. I remember my first day of coach training and I went into my coach training because I thought I, I give great advice. I, I help support people. I've always rescued and helped people in my whole life, right? So I go into coach training and one of the first things one of the teachers says is, okay, so a coach is someone that guides someone to the answers within themselves. It's not about giving the solutions. So today is the last day you will give solutions. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> it was so difficult for me to be able to do that. But once I was able to take that step back and empower someone, it was so much more freaking powerful because they wanted to take action. They wanted to change their lives. And I was understand helping them guide them back to their true self. And that was so much more rewarding than, than giving someone the solution and then getting frustrated when they wouldn't take the action. So really notice that it's a really dysfunctional way to interact and being able to take that step back and work out what you need as well as giving the other person what they need in a way that helps support their self-worth and self-belief. Okay, cool. So the next one is the perpetrator. So what do you do if you recognize that you're the one that sits back and blames and sits back and criticizes other people but doesn't offer a solution? It's a really interesting place to be and it's recognizing that you're feeling a need for significance. So how can you feel or fulfill that need for significance and feeling important in your life by, by building stronger connections through compassion? This is a really interesting one because one, it's how can you be a part of it rather than setting yourself apart because a perpetrator or a persecutor offers often sets themselves apart from the other person. They disassociate from that person because that's not me and I don't know who, how you could even be in that place, right? Like they look at the victim as weak and um, they look at themselves as strong. And so how can you actually interact in a way that's coming from a place of compassion and understanding to support and challenge the other person? Because whether you're working with a rescuer, whether you're working with a um, victim, being able to empower that person without criticism is where the, your biggest growth will be. So being able to change that destructive behavior and serve as focusing on learning and growth and building people up rather than tearing them down. It is the best step that you can take is taking a step back, stopping your criticizing and recognizing where that judgment is placing within yourself because often when we feel that need for significance and we build that up through superiority, we actually don't realize that when we're judging other people, we're judging ourselves. And so it's taking a step back and working out where you need to feel superior or important for yourself and being able to support someone else through compassion and understanding and build them up rather than tear them down. It's a really interesting cycle and often we 
move through the roles, right? So we go from being the victim to then being the rescuer or vice versa, or we go from the perpetrator to being the rescuer and then, or we go the opposite and be the victim. It's like, well, it's rather than going, it's all your fault. Now it's like, well, poor me. No one's doing anything I tell them to do. And it's really fascinating because we cycle through these and we see those relationships shift and change. Like it could be even you look at um, mother-daughter situation, right? So the mother could be the rescuer and the daughter's playing the victim. And then long term, the daughter then ends up not being able to take care of herself because she's always relied on her mother to come in and pick up the pieces. Always relied on her mother to come in and solve the problem, right? It's not building resourcefulness within somebody. Being able to take a step back and get and getting them to come up to, with their own solutions and fix their own problems builds so much more strength and builds so much more ability to take care of themselves. And so then the next time a challenge comes along, they're willing, they're actually willing to look at it as a challenge rather than a problem. Really, really fascinating stuff. I love talking about this. Obviously, that's why it's gone for so long. But I really hope you got a lot out of this episode. And I really would love for you to share with me on social media um, what your takeaway was from this and what your work is on moving forward. Please feel free if you feel moved by this episode to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, You can head across to or on Stitcher. If you head across and pop in your name and leave a couple of just key takeaways would be awesome. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode so please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week, and here's to taking your life to the next level.